Good morning. Yes, it's the last Sunday before Christmas. If you have kids, I'm sure you're excited for all the present wrapping yet to be done. We're, we're late present wrappers, by the way, like night before. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun week, but it's awesome. I'm so pumped to be here with you this morning as we close out our sermon series entitled Characters of Christmas. Now, um, growing up in church as a pastor's kid and just consistently being there, I heard countless sermons over and over and over again. And I'm sure you have too. Mary, Joseph, Jesus, angels, shepherds, wise men. Mary, Joseph, Jesus, shepherds, wise men, angels, all that, right? Over and over and over again. And what I found is as I grew up, I became callous to the biblical Christmas story. Why? Because I thought I knew it. I thought I had it down. I was like, oh, I've heard this a million times already. So my prayer for you and I, whether in this place or at home watching today, is that you ask the Holy Spirit to speak truth into your life today. That you ask the Holy Spirit to shine light in your life today. That will enable you to grow closer in your relationship with God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That you will grow in your trust in God. Now today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. Now before we actually get into Luke chapter 2, I want to ask you a question. What is it that you are afraid of? Like, that one thing that scares the living daylights out. What is it? What is that one thing that you're afraid of? You know, it, it elicits that like flight response. Like, as soon as it comes up or even a mention of it... You're gone, right? What is it? Like, if you're my dad, it's snakes. I don't know if there's a funny, that's not my dad. But it's a fear of snakes. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're talking about it, whether they're somewhere in the room, like he just scared to death. And even growing up as a kid, I found out really what this fear was about when he knew I had a play toy snake and he was scared to death of it. Whether it's real or imagined, it's just this fear within us that just causes us to freak out, stress out, and move out, right? So what is it for you? Maybe it's like something you're deathly allergic to. Shellfish, peanut allergies, right? And you have to be so cautious, you don't even want to be anywhere near this stuff, right? Maybe it's like this fear of the unknown. Like, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, so I'm totally wrecked in my today. Because I'm so fearful of what's going to happen tomorrow, it's affecting my today right here, right now. What is it? What is that one thing? See, for every one of us, we all fear something. It triggers that fight or flight response within us. And see, here's the deal. When this fear is great enough... This something that we fear elicits within each of us a response in the belief that we are going to literally die from that something. It doesn't matter what we try to do, right? Like the fear's still there. Like we can totally try and work through it, gain an appreciation, a respect, an admiration for the thing we fear. But at the end of the day, we still have this unbearable dread of it, right? Because at the end of the day, we're absolutely convinced this thing that we fear so much threatens our very future in such a way as to end it. Now, 
The universal definition of fear is this right behind me. It's a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, pain, etc., whether the threat is real or imagined. So any bad thing you think about, any painful thing, like that, that's basically the fear response, right? But see, when we look at fear in the Bible, it's not portrayed simply as an emotion. Ray Clendenin says this of fear in the Bible. The Bible does not portray fear of danger simply as an emotion over which the believer has no control. The biblical command not to fear is a command not to panic or be immobilized fear or not to allow one's fear of perceived danger to hinder obedience to God. You see, this fear is centered around our relationship to God and our subsequent obedience to him, right? And you got to understand, like, the majesty and holiness and perfection of God as creator of all things will always incite within you and I a fear response as his creation. It's natural. And it's this fear that we should attribute to a holy God as our heavenly father. Let me put it another way. If you think about a very abusive Just dogmatic dad who doesn't care a lick about you, who abuses you physically, who abuses you verbally. If you think about that kind of dad versus the kind of dad that still disciplines you, that still corrects you, but all the while you know all of it is rooted in love. See, there's two types of fear. There's this fearing God, and then there's God-fearing. You see the difference? So the question is, is how do we go from fearing God to God-fearing? How do we go from this view that God is just this hard-hearted, calloused God? How do we go to God is holy, he's perfect, he's glorious, he's good, he's my heavenly father? How do we go from that? Today's passage has fear right at the center of it. And we actually will find out what the antidote to that fear is. And the antidote is the good news. No spoilers here. The good news is the antidote to that fear. And the characters of Christmas we're looking at today are the shepherds. So, if you're willing and able, turn to Luke chapter 2 as we start reading verse 8. I'd like to invite you to stand in honor of reading God's holy word. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with what? Great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel, angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. 
But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is God's word. You may be seated. So if you don't hear anything today, please hear this. The good news, the good news of Jesus Christ combats our reaction to fearing God. The good news compels us to obediently respond with certainty to God. The good news creates a rejoicing heart in God. And finally, the good news casts out our ultimate fear of God. So let's take a look at the first point, how the good news combats our reaction to fearing God. And we find this in verses 8 through 14. And we see this that right away we have shepherds at night out in the field in the dark. They're watching their flocks, making sure none of the sheep run away, making sure no predators come to try and harm the sheep. They're up late at night, tired, weary. It was cold this time of year out in those pastures. So you got to imagine the shepherds out there, okay? Another thing we have to picture is that the shepherds, being a shepherd really wasn't a glorious job back then, right? Honestly, shepherds, tax collectors, almost right up there. Why? Because shepherds were dishonest, and by the religious elite, the Pharisees and all that, they viewed these shepherds as outcasts, as unworthy, unclean individuals, and dishonest. And so you kind of, you can't really romanticize the role of the shepherds here. These shepherds weren't awesome dudes, okay? These shepherds were like you and I. They were just sinners, right? Okay. Now, the other thing we have to imagine is it had been 400 years of seeming silence of God. 400 years since God used a prophet to speak his words. It was back in Malachi. And Malachi forecasted, foreshadowed the coming Messiah, So you got to figure, either these shepherds have totally forgotten about the God of Israel, or maybe they're remembering the God of Israel past, how he showed up in all of his glory, but that usually meant judgment and wrath, and so, woo-hoo! Or maybe they were thinking about the promised one who is yet to come. Maybe they weren't thinking a thing about God, because it had been so long. But it's in this seeming silence of God we find our shepherds keeping watch over their sheep in the darkness of night, tired and weary. And out of nowhere, the glory of God shows up on a pasture in a full and awesome display of God's holiness and brilliance. Could you imagine? Now, the angel of the Lord was a messenger of God. And being a messenger of God meant he carried the very words of God. And these words he was about to deliver were the very words God chose to deliver to these shepherds. And in verse 9 it says, when the angel appeared, it says, the glory of the Lord shone all around them. See, in the Greek of this, it literally means that all the glorious brilliance, all the holiness of God, all the perfection of God was on full display for the shepherds to witness. In other words, God showed up And was literally there for our shepherds to see. And so it had come to this moment. That God shows up after 400 years. God shows up and how do our shepherds respond? With fear. Not just with fear. With great fear. And the Greek for for. This fear is the same type of fear that elicits that fight or flight response within you and I. 
It's the same fear that Adam and Eve displayed after the first sin, after the fall. Do you remember? God was walking in the garden, calling out to them. They hid, and he said, why did you hide from me? What was the answer? We were afraid. It's the same fear. Adam and Eve were fearful of God's divine retribution on their disobedience. And it's this same type of fear that the shepherds are displaying to their God. But knowing the fear of the shepherds and how they would react with that, the angel responds with the antidote, the good news. Verses 10 through 12 go on to tell of this good news. And the first two words the angel utters are key. Fear not. Fear not. It's, it's like a command in the proclamation that the days of fearing God's divine wrath, condemnation, and judgment are over. Fear not. Those days are gone. Fear not. Why? He goes on to tell us in verses 10 and 11. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. See, in other words, to everyone... Not just Jews, Gentiles as well. For all people, a Savior is born, one who will save us from the wrath of God and his justified punishment of our sins. You see, the shepherds, they, they responded with terror, with great fear. And the angel combated this reaction with the good news. Fear not, Jesus is here. Fear not, the Savior of the world has come. He will satisfy the wrath of God through his perfect life and his perfect death. And he is born unto you today. Good news. See, these shepherds considered by all unworthy, outcasts, unclean. They witnessed the glory of God and had to figure judgment and punishment was upon them, right? Until what? The angel shared the good news and why they need not fear. Praise God, Jesus is here today. Amen? <laughs> and upon hearing the good news of the shepherds, they didn't run. They didn't hide. What did they do? They stayed. They stayed in the presence and glory of God as a multitude of angels glorified God singing one song. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? From darkness, cold and quiet, to brilliance, holiness, brightness and perfection. From, from fear and terror to good news and hope. From wanting to run and hide to staying and soaking in this glorious good news and the beautiful presence of God. From being alone and isolated to all of a sudden being part of a heavenly host singing praises to God. From God's seeming silence to God showing up and telling of God in flesh being here this day. See, we learned something here about the relationship of the good news in our fear of God. It's this. Because of the good news, fear should not keep us from God. Because of the good news, fear should not keep us from God. See, the shepherds stayed and participated only because of the good news that was proclaimed to them. 
They didn't run and hide because of fearing God's wrath and judgment any, anymore. Why? Because the good news gave them boldness to stay in the very presence of God. So what's keeping you from God right now? Maybe there's something in your past you're totally ashamed of and you have this fear that God could never just, I can't get over it. I know he's not going to get over it. Maybe it's this feeling or this fear that you're just not worth it. You're just not good enough. You keep trying, you keep failing. God's just going to pass on you. Maybe it's this feeling that, you know, I, I, there is no way anybody could love me. No way. If they actually knew what's deep inside of me, not a soul would love me. Why would God? And that fear keeps you from him. Maybe right now you're, in a, you're alone in your 400 years of seeming silence. Well, Charles Spurgeon has a quote. It's rather long, so just bear with me here. But he talks about the relationship of the good news and how it should not, actually it should encourage us to go to God and stay with God and how fear should not keep us from God. He says this, but I hear a sinner say, I am afraid to go to God this morning and confess that I am a sinner. Well, do not go to God, but go to Christ. Surely you would not be afraid of him. Think of God in Christ, not out of Christ. If you could but know Jesus, you would go to him at once. You would not be afraid to tell him your sins, for you would know that he would say, go and sin no more. I cannot pray, says one. I feel afraid to pray. What? Afraid to pray when it is a man who listens to you? You might dread the face of God, but when God in human flesh you see, why be alarmed? Go, poor sinner, go to Jesus. I feel, says one, unfit to come. You may be unfit to come to God, but you cannot be unfit to come to Jesus. There is a fitness necessary to stand in the holy hill of the Lord, but there is no fitness needed in coming to the Lord Jesus. Come as you are, guilty and lost and ruined. Come just as you are, and he will receive you. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the good news has come and is here today, and it's Jesus Christ, God in flesh, God's son. Fear not because of Jesus. Go to God because of Jesus. Do not fear because of Jesus. Do not hide. Go to God on your knees. Praise him for receiving you. Go to God and stay in his presence Thanking Jesus Christ for the ability to come before a holy and righteous God. See, the good news combats our reaction to fearing God. Let's look now at how the good news compels us to obediently respond with certainty to God. Now, verses 15 and 19 show and tell us of the shepherd's obedience to God. And we're actually going to look at two specific acts of obedience that the shepherds responded with. First, they went, okay? First, they went. They did exactly what God commanded of them. Second, they testified to all. They shared this good news with everyone they came in contact with. So let's look at the first act. Verses 15 and 16 say this. 
When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. (laughs) See, these verses share two specific things about this first act of obedience. Just follow me. Two acts, but now there's two things about the first act. You with me? Good. Okay. The shepherds were absolutely certain of this good news. They were absolutely certain of this good news. And the second part of them going is they didn't delay. They made haste. Let us go see this thing that has happened. It's important to know in the Greek, this thing actually translates this word. So let me rephrase it. They're saying, let's go and see this word that has happened. Meaning, the angel told us, and let's go see his words that are true. Notice, there was absolutely no doubt. They didn't say, let us go see if these words are true. No, they said, let us go and see this thing that has happened. There was absolutely no question in their minds, this had happened. And let us go see it. And in verse 16 says, they went with haste. Now, as I read this growing up, I thought they ran. Well, maybe they did, maybe. But the Greek for haste means delay. They did not delay. They didn't pause. I mean, but that makes sense, right? Right, if you were told of the good news and something glorious about this good news, you would most certainly go right away to see it, right? Real world example. Not, well, fictitious. My wife calls me in one of our prior pregnancies, okay? So pick a kid. Any kid, pick a kid, okay? (laughs) And she calls me, says, honey, it's time to go to the hospital. The baby's coming. And I'm like, babe, that's good news. I mean, that's good news. Now, here's the thing. I've got a few more holes of golf left. Um, And I know this is good news, so I want to see the good news, but I just got to finish this game, and then I'll be there, okay? Love you, bye. Okay, first off, I'd be dead. I would not be here right now. Second, if you're a husband or father, don't ever do that, okay? Third, was it really good news if I delayed? Was it really good news? No, it wasn't. I didn't respond that way. I mean, for crying out loud, think of it from the shepherds. Their long-awaited Messiah, Savior Christ and Lord, is here after 400 years, all by a multitude of angels singing praises to God. And they were told to go see, and they did right away. And what did they find? Verse 16. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they had made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. The shepherds found the word just as it was told to them by the angel. They found and saw the Messiah, the baby, God in flesh, Savior of the world. So in this first act of obedience, they went with certainty, they went with haste to find this word which was told them. Now the second act of obedience, them sharing this good news, testifying of this good news to all, occurs in verses 17 through 19. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. These shepherds in Luke's gospel, get this, these unworthy, dishonest dudes We're some of our first evangelists in Luke's gospel. How's that for making straight lines with crooked sticks 
Only God can do that, right? These shepherds told about this good news. They were literally terrified of God. But then the good news was shared with them about Jesus Christ, God in flesh. And there is no wonder that they were certain this word happened, that they would find it just as told to them and couldn't help but tell others about the good news. And here we find our relationship between good news and our fear of God. It's this, because of the good news, fear should not hinder our obedience to God. Because of good news, fear should not hinder our obedience to God. See, the good news took the shepherds from a terrified state of fearing God to a state of absolute and immediate willful obedience to God. All because of what? The good news of Jesus Christ. How about you? Has this good news of Jesus Christ, has it truly changed you? Has the good news motivated you to obedience to God the Father? Has the good news truly extinguished your fear of God in such a beautiful and glorious way that you can't help but tell everyone you come into contact with? Has the good news impacted you in such a way as to move you from a state of fear to a state of freedom in Christ? See, it's clear this good news impacted the shepherds and they couldn't just obey. They had to share as well. Now maybe, maybe you view this good news as a, as a yesterday thing. Like, man, I was totally wrecked back then. Totally needed the good news back then. I'm doing fine now, man. I'm doing fine. I, I don't need the good news right now. I just needed it back then. I'm good now. Maybe you view this good news as a, as a tomorrow thing. I'm actually doing great. Nothing's too crazy in my life. And, you know, if I need the good news tomorrow, I'll take it. Okay? But today, I'm okay. Church, we need to view this good news as an every moment thing. We need the grace, mercy, and love of God in Christ Jesus every second of our imperfect lives. Dear brother and sister in Christ, won't you pray for a moment-by-moment reminder that the good news of God's grace and mercy is sufficient not just for your past, not just for your future, but for your right now. I think one of the one of the best ways to be reminded of the good news in our right now is by immersing ourselves in the glorious word of God. How often are you getting into this good news? God's word, his good news for you. How often are you getting into it? How often are you doing this and being reminded through scripture that the good news of Jesus Christ is needed for every right now for the rest of your life? Every right now for the rest of your life. Dear believer, don't forsake God's word, his good news for you. Life and culture are warring with us, right? 2020 has just exacerbated everything. Life, culture, politics, medical, you name it, it's warring with us. Do not forsake God's word. We need a constant reminder of the sustainability and sufficiency of the good news in Jesus Christ for our lives. Every moment, not just once a day, every moment. Make a daily habit. Get away and get into his word. See, the good news compels us to obediently respond with certainty to God. Now let's look at how the good news creates a rejoicing heart in God. 
And we see the full effects of this good news on the lives of the shepherds. The good news took them from a state of fear to obedience to rejoicing. The good news moved the shepherds from fearing God to God-fearing. Verse 20 describes this transformation. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You want to know what's cool? The same glorifying and praising God that the angels did just back in verse 14 is the same glorifying and praising God that the shepherds are doing right now. No longer were the hearts of the shepherds enslaved by a fear of God. Rather, their hearts were freed from that fear, all because of the good news of Jesus Christ. And now they were free to be in a continuous state of joy and praise of God the Father. You see, the shepherds replayed everything. They were replaying everything from that dark, lonely, cold night. From the brilliance and holiness of God showing up in a field to their reactions of fear. To the good news being told them. To this word being true. And them telling all who could hear of this magnificent truth to where they are now in an ever state of praising and glorifying God for God being made flesh. For Jesus Christ, Savior, Deliverer, Messiah. And the hearts of the shepherds were transformed from fearing God to rejoicing in God. And here we have another relationship of the good news in our fear of God. It says, because of the good news, fear should not enslave our hearts. Because of the good news, fear should not enslave our hearts. It was announced by the angel, fear not for I bring you good news of great joy. So our hearts should be enslaved by joy, not fear. All because of the good news. Let me put it another way. We do not praise that which we fear. We do not praise that which we fear. My dad doesn't tell everybody about how amazingly awesome snakes are. In fact, he would encourage you to have nothing to do with them. We do not praise that which we fear. So my question for you is, what are you praising and why? What do you talk to everyone about? Why you just can't help it? Like they show up, you're like, I got to tell you something. What is it? We all got something. What gives you that joy and unending smile, just even when you think about it? What do you praise most? You can find the answer to that question by answering this next question. What do you spend most of your time on or with? What is it? Is it your kids? Their success? athletically, academically. It's so important to you for your kids and you love your kids so much and you want to tell everybody about their accomplishments that you forsake Sundays coming to church and worshiping because you think a ball is going to be more impactful in their life than Jesus. Maybe it's your retirement. You're like, I've got to be set for the long road down here because I need another buck to just be confident that I can retire comfortably and then things are fine. All the while, you're forsaking your relationship with God. You're forsaking your relationships at home. What is it, guys? My biggest competition right now is my six beautiful kids. That's it for me. 
I get home and it's just kids out the wazoo. (laughs) And it's hard. But we all, I just, why are we praising other things more than we praise God? Could it be that we don't praise God because we still fear him in a way that should not be? Could it be that we don't look at God from the right lens that was provided through this good news? Could it be that we see God for who he isn't because we haven't truly grasped and believed the good news of Jesus Christ? So the question is this. Who is God to you? Who is God to you? Is he this hard-hearted dad that just doesn't care? All he wants is results. All he wants is perfection. And all he ever does is let you know when you get it wrong. Is that God to you? Is God this absent father? He never shows up to nothing. I don't even know what he looks like. Much less ever received love from him. He didn't care about me. He couldn't care less about me. I couldn't care less about him. Is that God to you? Maybe he's just a total stranger. You've never even, God is just a new concept. It's a new thing that's in your brain now. And it's just been a complete stranger all these years. Oh, how the good news of Jesus Christ, God made flesh, should help us see God for the loving and compassionate father that he is. There's still fear of his majesty and holiness and our accountability to him. It's just not about reverence and awe. It's also about our obedience to him. He will always incite fear. Why? Because there's no one else like him. That's just how it works. But we should no longer have fear of condemnation. We should no longer fear judgment and wrath. And here's our final point. The good news casts out our ultimate fear of God. I think we truly struggle with whether Jesus Christ actually did enough, actually satisfied the wrath of God that was reserved for us. I think we truly struggle. You want to know why? Because you and I always are trying to be better, do better, get more, be more to all things, to all people, And when we don't, we're just torn up about it. We're not trusting God in his promise. I think we're not trusting that Christ did enough in his perfect life, his perfect death, and his resurrection. Let me encourage you with scripture, dear brother and sister. Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now what? No condemnation. This is the good news. No judgment, no wrath, no condemnation. Why? Because Jesus took it all. He's the only one. It's a promise and a certainty we can and should rest in. The perfection of Jesus Christ in life and death perfectly satisfied the wrath of God. The perfect love of God in Christ Jesus perfectly satisfied God's condemnation and judgment on you and me. And we see our final relationship between this good news and our fear of God. 
Because of the good news, fear has no place where perfect love is. Because of the good news, fear has no place where perfect love is. First John says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. It's resting in the promise of God, the perfectly finished work of Jesus Christ in death and resurrection. And the glorious assurance that, get this, that we went from enemies of God to friends of God. <laughs> that we went from strangers to now adopted sons and daughters into God's family. <laughs> that he is our perfect heavenly father and we are his dearly beloved child. This is the good news, church. And only the good news enables us to go from fearing God to God-fearing. Now I want to play a song for you in just a moment. And music is a medium God uses a lot in my life, so... Sometimes I like to share it when I'm up here with you. Okay, so hopefully you'll be good with that. If not, sorry, we're doing it anyways. Um, but as you listen to the words, maybe you're a believer and you've forgotten this good news. Maybe you, you're like, oh, this kind of sounds like good news from back then. Why is it not sounding so great to me now? Maybe... Maybe you've just completely forgotten about it. Maybe you're in a place right now that's so dark that you can't think of any good news. Or you feel so beat up. This is the good news. Maybe you're out here and you never believed and trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The good news of Jesus Christ enables us to not fear God's wrath on us. That everything about our relationship with God is and always will be rooted in love. Everything. Take a listen. I can't do anything to 
he loves me, cause he loves me, just because he does. I'm his beloved, I am his friend, his love has no limit, from beginning to end. We can't do a single thing to earn God's love. God the Father loves you just because. He became God in the flesh just because he loves you. He sent his son to die for you just because he loves you. He is a perfect heavenly father just because he loves you. See, because of this good news of Jesus Christ, we need not fear. His perfect love casts it out. Because of the good news of Jesus Christ, for those who trust and believe, we can be certain that God loves us just because. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we boldly come before you now only because of your grace and mercy that was shown through Jesus Christ. And God, we give you all the glory and honor and praise God, help us work in our hearts. God, help us to love you more. God, help us to love your word more. God, I pray that that we just won't be silent. God, that the thing that we seek to share most and praise most is you and only you and only because of your glorious son, Jesus Christ. God, thank you for becoming flesh. Thank you for dying for us. God, I pray that this good news is reminded to us every moment, every second, for the rest of our lives. God, help us to be excited to hold on to this good news. God, we love you. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.